All right. I am Alfred. Um, glad to be here tonight to do a little AMA. Um, you can find me on Twitter. It's where I do probably most of my chatting and conversing um, at AL underscore FF underscore RED. And um, but super glad to be here on this Discord tonight. I write uh, for Razball.com. We have a pretty nice set of football writers, um, you know, kind of new to the football fantasy world a little bit. You know, Razball, you might be familiar uh, with their baseball content, been pretty big um, influences over the years on the baseball side. But we're trying to build out the football side and um, go check uh, all our articles and, and stuff out there. And Ruby, Rudy Gamble uh, is the guy who does all of our projections, and, and he's really a genius um, Again, expert at baseball and really trying to fine tune his football projections, but a super smart guy I can tell you just from conversing with him. He, um, you know, really knows what he's talking about. So we're doing some interesting things over at Razball. And then also just recently got got on with Dynasty League football, where I'm going to be doing a lot of my uh, Dynasty and Devi content, which honestly is kind of my passion, especially Devi. Uh, I love getting in, you know, I think all of us here probably feel similarly, but uh, I love getting just into the college players and, you know, really planting my flag on guys uh, kind of before everybody else. You know, it's that whole mentality of you want to be first, you want to be the first guy who's like, I called it on him. And so Debbie, you know, just gets you even more than a sleeper, even more than uh, a rookie or whatever. It gets you all the way into the college game. We can call them uh, that early. So big fan of that. And, uh, in terms of stuff I'm putting out, I just finalized my very, uh, well, actually my second iteration, cause I did some at Razball. Um, but my first iteration for, for DLF, uh, my Debbie rankings, and that just went live. Also we'll be doing, um, a full on look at the university of Florida entire team for Debbie purposes, uh, relevant players. And then also I think I've got Oklahoma coming up. So be looking for that where I really go all the way down the roster and talk about every possible NFL potential player uh, and give basically my take on, on those guys for uh, like I said, UF and Oklahoma. And then um you know, Razball, I'm I think this year I'm gonna do the top 80 wide receivers rest of season. So you can look out for that. It's just gonna be a rolling rankings all season long. And then also I will be doing um this concept that I have. I wrote uh, a piece about it, but the idea that you know we should basically be looking at uh, daily fantasy type information for all leagues, not just if you play daily fantasy and filling out your, you know, DraftKings lineups, but we should be using the research and the stuff that, that people are putting out, uh, for our season long leagues. And I, I wrote a piece about it, basically using, um, Razball just to plug it, uh, their projections last year, you could have taken basically wide receivers who were coming off waivers in most leagues and uh, at about a 60, I think I found about a 65% clip in the couple of weeks that I looked at. Uh, using those projections, uh, you would have about a 65% of getting a receiver who gave you, I think it was uh, 10 PPR points. So, you know, using those guys to cycle through your roster and 
um, get startable production off just a, you know, kind of a use it and abuse it waiver pickup for free. And I think we should all do that more. So basically I'm going to be writing a column this year on, you know, basically going to the waiver trash and finding a spike week guy that you can just put in there and then drop him the next week, basically for free cycling. Uh, so you can focus on your studs and then, uh, you know, have more than duds to fill out your roster, but have guys who have a good chance of spiking for you in a given week and not being worried about holding on to them. These are guys you should just cycle through uh, if you need it. So uh, anyway, let's get to the questions. Um, we've got some good ones on here and uh, let's just go. So first one was given the shortened season and non-existent off season, uh, we fading rookies and who are there any players we're still buying whenever you can for redraft? Um, you know, this is definitely something that's been on all of our minds. I am personally not fading rookies any more than I would have just because I basically expect that all rookies are going to start slow uh, with the very few exceptions of like a top five running back, you know, like Barkley or Zeke Elliott when he got drafted. These guys are probably all going to start fairly slow. There was no all wide receivers. I think you can consider that they will start slow. And then, you know, any running back who's not, like I said, a top five pick, they're going to have to work their way into a lion's share. So even CEH, given his draft capital was the first round, but this was not a top five pick. And uh, well, now we have the Damian Williams situation, but um I was always expecting kind of a slow start. I rarely in redraft will draft a rookie expecting a set it and forget it starter from day one. That just doesn't really happen. Uh, and if I draft a rookie, I'm just comfortable knowing that it could be slow going for three or four weeks, but that the upside is worth it. And that's just how I view rookies. So I don't think it's too different for this year. Um, by the time we get into the second month of the season, if that all goes according to plan, it'll still be, I think, similar trajectory that you would expect otherwise. Um, although I believe Mike Tomlin had a quote as recently as today or this week where he actually specifically said, yeah, it's going to be harder to get the rookies off the ground. Like I said, though, I think that's the case for fantasy purposes anyway, and, and they'll, be, they'll be ready to go by the second month, which is really when I would expect using them um, for fantasy. Which rookies are you most excited for dynasty purposes? Uh, this was a awesome, awesome rookie running back class and wide receivers for that matter. But but rookie running backs, I don't think we're going to see a group, at least on paper, like this uh, for a while. Um, there was like there's legitimately five or six running backs this year that I think are future RB1s for fantasy. And obviously, we know just on the straight up hit rate. That's probably not going to happen, but on paper, they all look fantastic. And that is uh, obviously JT, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, uh, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, and um, who am I missing? Oh, J.K. Dobbins. That's five. I mean, truly five running backs. I feel pretty confident saying any one of them will be a consistent RB1 going forward. And that's just really unusual uh last year there was like nobody like that i mean maybe miles sanders uh and josh jacobs so there were two and one of them was a maybe um and josh jacobs was mostly only a guy you could be confident in because he was a first round pick not necessarily because of his 
college profile in my opinion. So, um, yeah, I mean, super exciting rookie class. I love all those running backs in dynasty really get any of them. You can, uh, they're going to all be probably the top five picks. So you're going to have to trade up to get up there. But I think any one of those you can get your hand on, uh, you've got a very serious chance at a, at an RB one for at least three to four years. Um, I personally love JT the most. I know that's a hot topic. Uh, I believe in his, you know, talent. I think his situation is different than Clyde, but as good. I mean, that indie offense is perfect for him and what they're going to want to do. And I think the guy is not a zero in the passing game. I mean, I think 30 receptions is pretty reasonable. So uh, he'll chip in there, but but certainly not in the same way that Clyde will. Um, Clyde's easy, number two. and then. Uh, yeah, I love Cam Akers. I think his trajectory could be very, very similar to Miles Sanders, which in the first, I mean, what was it? Eight to 10 weeks of the year. Like Miles Sanders was barely a flex, barely. Uh, we saw flashes, but like he was not giving you fantasy production you could rely on. Uh, and then once he was able to get the lion share injury or not to Jordan Howard, all of a sudden the guy's a superstar. I think that's what we could see with Cam Akers. I definitely would not expect to roster him and start him in the first month of the season. But um, so you may not want to pay the draft rate price, but if on week two, someone's getting itchy, go buy him low if you can. I mean, I love Cam Akers' talent. He may take a little while to adjust to the NFL. J.K. Dobbins is, has a Mark Ingram problem just for this year. And then you're looking at an easy RB1 um DeAndre Swift same deal with Kerryon Johnson although a lot of smart people think that he is going to work his way into a a feature role as well uh Kerryon Johnson really yeah I mean he he doesn't really do it for me either um so I think that's very plausible uh let's see wide receivers again you've got a really nice crop of wide receivers I think as as prospects on paper uh they don't they all have a wart or two, even CD lamb, you know, has a bit of a BMI problem. Uh, if you want to get really detailed, but the guy's a stud, I love CD lamb, but just, he's not the cleanest prospect that you can imagine, uh, just because he's a little bit slight of frame for what we really want in the true elites to be, you know, kind of over that BMI 27. And it's been shown that that gives you a better chance, but it's definitely not like rules him out. Um, but his situation is a little murky. I mean, he walks in as the third receiver, which you can't say for a lot of the other top picks. Um, gosh, I'm even warming up to Henry Ruggs. I think he was not used as a dominant alpha at Alabama, but you know, he, he could in the NFL because he's certainly not just a deep threat. He's going to get, he, he has a role. Uh, what he's good at is, is actually, something that could be a, a high volume guy slants um, short passes where he can take it the long way. Of course, he's also a good deep threat with his ridiculous speed. And so, you know, he's not just a D you know, Deshaun Jackson deep threat. He can do stuff near the line of scrimmage and that is good for Derek Carr. Uh, and that's also good for volume. Um, so I like him too, even though uh, as a prospect from what I look at, which is market share and dominance at an early age, he wasn't quite there. Uh, let's wrap this question up because it's 
I could go on and on, and I'm sure there's other rookie questions, but I I love Justin Jefferson. He's going to be a really good jumbo slot, I believe, for the Vikings. Jalen Rager is in a prime, uh, perfect situation in Philly. Uh, the list goes on. Even Brandon Ayuk now with Debo Samuel out, he's probably their number one wide receiver on talent. Um, obviously, Derek, George Kittle uh, is there too. So I think you can't go wrong. Honestly, in the first round of rookie drafts, you can't make a bad pick, in my opinion. Um, it is just an amazing year for rookies. All right. We got a Debbie question. Love the Slovis QB1 shout. Can we speak on why? Basically, I like him. What, what stands out? Uh, do I think he has inflated his group of – is his stats are inflated with a great group of receivers, or is he doing the uh, elevating? I, I think he's doing the elevating. I mean, just right off the bat, um, you know, USC's offense in 2018 was a shell of what it looked like in 2019 under Slovis. Um, you know, uh, St. Brown had 700 and something yards. Michael Pittman was was not super impressive in 2018. And look, Pittman bought himself a second round draft pick, was an absolute beast. I think he had almost 100 receptions uh, in a college season, which is absolutely insane. Um, you know, Amon Rase Brown had over 1,000 yards. Tyler Vaughn's almost, I mean, they almost had three 1,000 yard receivers from a year before that when they looked like a basically couldn't even get the engine to turn over. So I definitely think he's got loads of talent. Uh, but it takes two to tango, and I think he absolutely elevated that offense. And why do I like him so much? It comes simply down to a stat that I have recently fallen absolutely head over heels for um, that I barely paid much attention to you know, even a year ago, and that's completion percentage, and specifically completion percentage over expected, um, which in the pro game, we have enough data on average depths of target and and completion percentage at each different depth to truly say what is expected at those different depths of target and what is uh, what that quarterback did, which is just awesome because, you know, it basically rewards if you're completing longer passes, it rewards someone uh, more than if they're just completing dink and dunk. At the college level, we just don't have the data on a dot in that way. So it's kind of, we use a surrogate, which is uh, completion percentage over expected for that conference. So you take the conference quarterback completion percentage, um, assuming they're playing similar defenses and things like that. Uh, it's not a perfect stat compared to the NFL version, but uh, anyway, Slovis as a true freshman, I like to see my quarterbacks for you know Devi and dynasty purposes have at least a plus nine percent average CPOE. That's completion percentage over expected for their college career. And usually guys will peak as a senior. That makes perfect sense. Slovis did that as a true freshman. I mean, he had, uh, it was like 8.8 .8 or, or right around nine plus nine CPOE, uh, which means that he completed 9% more passes than the average Pac-12 quarterback. Um, and then at the volume he did it and limiting interceptions the way he did it, like that's just it's phenomenal. Um, I actually think if you read my article on Slovis, I kind of talked about how you can expect a guy who starts as a true freshman, I think, to go up six point something percent in his completion percentage over the course of his career. Because obviously, when you start as a true freshman, you have a, a lot of ways, a long way to go up. I think you can 
given historically, you can kind of expect he he may finish at Joe Burrow level completing completions, which is like 77, 78% by the time he's uh, his last year in college, which would probably be a junior year, to be honest, because I would imagine he'll leave early. It's just elite. I mean, that is like the elite of the elite. Joe Burrow set a record for CPOE in 2019. And I think Slovis, I'm not saying he is the next Joe Burrow, but like he's tracking, it's not impossible. And uh, and then on top of that, just watching the guy, he's got some incredible pocket presence. He moves around just really, really smart movements in the pocket. Um, Pinpoint ab- accuracy, I would say. I, I'm not sure he has like a, a howitzer for an arm, but certainly strong enough. And uh, the guy just just puts the ball in places. He literally walks down the field and places it in the receiver's hands. It's it's really beautiful to watch. Um, you know, I don't know doing that as a true freshman. Sam Howell is super impressive. He did his work on a lot of volume and actually was not super duper efficient. Uh, looking at some of the similar stats, so. Sam Howell is great, and his raw stats are are phenomenal, especially, again, as a true freshman. But Slovis just showed me some real nuance and and just perfect accuracy. So that's why I like him the most in that class. Overall, Debbie sleepers to keep an eye on. Uh, This is a fun, fun topic. I will shout out myself. Follow me on Twitter. I do a Sleeper Saturday uh, uh, post. Almost every Saturday, I can't say I'm I'm perfect, but I try to identify a guy who's probably not on anybody's radar for Devi, um, uh, for you know future rookies, and I highlight a guy who is under the radar but putting up pretty impressive stats. Um, and uh, some of those guys recently are Kyle Phillips from UCLA, and I'm talking these are real deep in my opinion. Um, you know, probably Devi leagues that have more than seven rounds, maybe Devi leagues that are 10 rounds deep campus to Canton leagues where you have an entire roster to fill out of college players. Um, but even if you don't actually roster them, I think knowing a name, knowing who to watch this coming season, who could rise still helpful. So Kyle Phillips from UCLA was a redshirt freshman last year. He led the team in punts, uh, which is a huge indicator for future success. He also led the team in receiving yards, receptions, and touchdowns as a redshirt freshman. That's huge uh, early early career production there. Uh, Ronnie Rivers is becoming a real pet uh, favorite of mine. He's a running back from Fresno State, definitely undersized, not going to lie, 5'8". I think he clocked in at 183 last time. They, may, they weighed him. Um, but he's had almost 90 receptions uh, in his three years at Fresno State so far, so you're talking about 30 receptions a year, and actually, I think it was 40 or 50 this last year, um, and looks great as a receiver out of the backfield. So this is a guy who's probably going to be a day three pick once the NFL comes around, but I think you could see him being a, a major riser in the draft process. And once people start knowing his name, uh, hoping he gets invited to the combine and that name starts getting out, you're going to see people talking about him as a sleeper um, you know, similar to the way that like Darrington Evans, uh, did this year and, and some of these other guys that kind of come out of nowhere, um, during draft season, but I'm telling you his receiving ability is real special and he, uh, has enough long speed. He's just small. Um, but I think he's very interesting. Let's see. I love Traylon Burks from Arkansas. 
Uh, he led the team in receiving yards, only like 473 yards, something like that, um, as a true freshman. But, you know, even though he wound up at Arkansas, he was a four-star prospect. He was, um, you know, pretty well known. He's like already six foot three, I think 225 pounds or something. And the kid returned punts all year. Uh, that's just some awesome clearly some awesome movement from a guy that big. Uh, I love looking at punt returns, especially early in a career, um, you know, cause, cause coaches want their best, uh, most explosive player returning punts. <clears throat> um, let's see. How do I feel about UCF QB Dylan Gabriel? He is interesting. He had a great year. Um, you know, that hypo offense for UCF, uh, he came from Missouri. I actually did a deep dive on drew Locke, and, um, it's a wide open offense. They do a lot of screens and bombs, man. They just, they chuck it deep. They open up the field, uh, which is really fantastic um, for stats. But uh, I don't know. Drew Locke didn't do well when he transitioned out of that to like more of a realistic uh, NFL offense. And uh, we'll see about Dylan Gabriel. I'm The stats were real nice. His CPOE, like I mentioned before for the other player um, was not, super impressive. I think it was like plus 1%. So he's got a ways to go. True freshman, I believe. Um, so certainly got a ways to go, but that offense is going to inflate numbers. I'm not sure if it shows us true talent so much. Um, let's see. What's your general philosophy approaching Debbie campus to Canton startup? Do I like to spread out picks among different classes? I'm more likely to take a flyer on highly rated freshmen or two years of solid production, maybe really a bit lower. This is a great question. I am learning Devi um, as I go. I mean, I've been playing Devi for about two years, um, but really diving in and learning uh, as I go. And uh, I was kind of more of a guy who did take the college production. So, you know, the guy rated lower, but we know he's been good for two years versus the, you know, high impact freshman that we have no idea what he's going to do. I've kind of flipped that around now, though. I do think uh, Kane, uh, Kane Fossil, I think is his name, uh, Devi Kane on Twitter, a uh, real smart guy. And, and we had a nice conversation one time about this. And, and, you know, I just really respect his opinion. He's been doing it longer than me. Um, and he just said, look, you're, you're acquiring assets when you make these pick in, um, in Devi leagues, especially. <clears throat> um, and you want to buy the stock that has like the highest ceiling. So yeah, taking a pick that's a rookie or a, a freshman even, and you have to wait on him. But, you know, he comes out bus open as a freshman. You can trade that guy. Uh, people are going to be just salivating. Like, these are assets you don't have to keep till they mature. You can trade them as their value is going up. And I thought that was really smart. I mean, even if you get, let's say, um, Jarrett Patterson, this guy from Buffalo, he actually made his way onto the second team uh all-american list preseason this year even out of buffalo so that's impressive he's definitely on some people's radars but he's undersized with incredible production i mean i think he had over 2,000 total yards last year for buffalo um <clears throat> the thing with him is and, and this is what you know i've been told uh you know even if he gets drafted in the third round let's say like darrington evans did or um you know, maybe goes in the fourth round. These people from the non-Power 5 schools, they rarely get drafted very, very high, especially at running back. Um, I just, what are you going to get for him? I mean, you're probably going to keep him. No one's going to, you know, go head over heels for Jarrett Patterson in your uh, Devi leagues. Um, 
And so you're not getting that college production. This is specifically for Debbie. You're not getting that college production to do anything for you. And so, you know, he's an asset that you may want to have, you know, leave him for the rookie draft. You know, the rookie draft where the, of all the guys that aren't already rostered, your Devi roster should probably be the guys who can just absolutely be elite studs and leave your rookie draft, the undrafted roster Devi guys like a Jarrett Patterson and draft them in that way if you want them. And I think I've become more on that side of things. Now, Campus to Canton is going to be different because you are actually getting that college production. So a guy like Jarrett Patterson, I think, does get bumped up because he's giving you actionable production that's going to help you win the college side of the Campus to Canton. Um, but otherwise, I think you got to go with the um, with the you know an elite freshman for a Power Five conference team that that if he pops, he's going to be on everybody's radar. And if you want to keep him, great. If you don't, uh, you can you can flip him for at insane value. Um, can Mikel Hardman have Will Furler value this season or is his snap share too low? Uh, I think his snap share is way too low. You know, Will Fuller, when he's healthy, uh, is a, well, I'd have to check, you know, the, um, I'd have to check the actual snaps, but I believe when he's healthy, he's a full-time starter. And Mikel Hardman is, is certainly not a full-time starter, um, for, for the Chiefs, uh, you know, he's probably unless Sammy Watkins just opts out or, you know, doesn't play. I think that um, that he is going to be, you know, occupying the other Z, uh, the other, I guess it would be the Z role opposite Tyreek Hill in that offense. And and that's just the way it's going to be. Let, let me take a look here, though. Will Fuller, I'm pulling up the DLF <clears throat> Snapshare app. When Will Fuller is healthy, the guy's playing 90 plus percent of the snaps. I mean, weeks one through six, he never dropped below 78 and was ni over 90 most of the time. Um, or no, he never dropped below 87. And then he was injured for a while in week 12, back up to 89. Week 15, back up to 93% of the snaps. So he is playing all the snaps when he's in. And we know Deshaun Watson loves him. He produces very much like a wide receiver two or wide receiver one when he's healthy. So his season long numbers are bad, but when Will Fuller is in the lineup, you play him. And uh, that's just not the case for Hardman, in my opinion. With the D will opt out where you're drafting CEH. Yes, this is a great question. <laughs> Woo. Um, I think in redraft, we got to respect the Chiefs. And, uh, you know, whether or not he does what Kareem Hunt did in 2017, I guess it was. I think that's a big standard to hold for anyone. I mean, Kareem Hunt led the league in rushing that year as a rookie, uh, as a third round rookie out of Toledo. Um, but I think you got to draft CEH as an RB1. So, I mean, that means like probably closer. I, I probably would feel more comfortable closer to RB10, 11, 12. But after you get past probably Joe Mixon area. I think it's fair game for CEH. I think he, you know, you asked me straight up CEH or Sanders. That's a tough question. <clears throat> um, with D will opting out. I mean, it may be, it might be Clyde and I'm a big Miles Sanders fan, but you know, geez, you got to respect the chiefs. You got to. So I think he's an RB1 area. I think probably a mid-second rounder. That's like where Miles Sanders... I mean, I'd, I'd 
flip a coin with him and Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, like that group, CEH jumps into that group. Um, let's see. In your article regarding first down symmetric for success, I list six receivers. <clears throat> Woods, Parker, Edelman, Gallup, Landry, Brown. How do I rank these three half PPR? How does it change in considering redraft and dynasty? Um, all right, for dynasty, Edelman, um, I mean, he's kind of out for dynasty. If you if you have him on your team, great. <clears throat> uh, I think that whole situation's changed so, so, so much. I mean, Cam Newton versus Tom Brady is just not going to look the same. I don't think so. Let's leave Edelman out of this for now. Um, he's also 34 and has not quite been the same for a year or two. Um, Robert Woods, man, I love that guy. Holy crap. He If he gets some TD, I guess it would be progression, but basically regression to the mean of TDs that he probably should have had. He's going to be a pretty easy uh, top 12 wide receiver. And if he really slam dunks the touchdowns, like let's say he has a bit of an outlier season, scores eight or 10 touchdowns this year. <clears throat> I think you're looking at like league winning level production. I mean, he could be a art like wide receiver five wide receiver four. Uh, if you know, that's if he falls in the end zone, maybe a little bit overcorrected, but um, that's the only thing missing from Robert Woods. Uh, love, love, love him. He's going to be a focal point of the offense. You know, he's had 130 plus targets two years in a row and just no one respects him. It's wild. Um, I've come a, a long way on Robert Woods. I think he's a pretty easy mid wide receiver two going as a late wide receiver two. And that's like, that's like his floor is mid wide receiver two. I think, <clears throat> um, Devonte Parker, he was really strong last year. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love that first downs because, you know, I looked at it and it did project future success um, in the second in the year after this. So I looked at the stat first down per game in the year X and then looked at fantasy production in year X plus one. <clears throat> and it was pretty well correlated about as well as as targets and, and even just straight up yards. Um, and I think it makes some sense, you know, like if you're targeting a certain receiver to get you that precious first down, which is one of the best metrics for like the efficiency of an offense, you've got a quarterback who trusts him. You've got a coaching staff that draws up plays for him in those critical situations. I mean, it's kind of a surrogate for, for being a feature wide receiver. Um, but like those guys that you listed, um, it kind of uncovers some guys who may not meet those marks and in, in yards and targets but uh, maybe under the radar were actually very featured in their offense. So Devontae Parker is another one. Uh, <clears throat> I like him. Uh, I think Preston Williams kind of was more impressive in some ways and then got injured and then Parker went ham. But I think he's pretty good for this year. Again, he's, you said dynasty. So, I mean, Woods and Parker, I think are both like 27. Edelman's 34. So you got to take those with a grain of salt, right? I mean, I think Woods can give you two to three years um solid production left in him you know kind of 30s the where we get a little nervous but there's three years if you're trying to go championship window three years or so woods and parker both probably can give you that production i'm a little more down on parker versus woods but um you know parker did some nice stuff last year and they're gonna throw the ball a ton again this year with chan gailey calling the shots Gallup is so interesting um yeah, I don't know what to say. I mean, he basically outperformed Amari Cooper last year, in my opinion, as a 24-year-old, I believe, uh, second-year player. 
He was sixth in the NFL in receiving yards. Like, that's a fun fact. I don't think people quite realize that. Or yards per game, I should say. Yards per game. Um, Yeah, I love Gallup. I'm trying to acquire him, although most savvy people aren't just giving him away, even though he's like, some people think he's going to be the third guy uh, in that offense. But I think, I kind of think like Cooper might be the guy who goes away, uh, whether he gets traded again or he, um, you know, they, they can opt out that contract at some point, I believe, and let him go and then just go with Gallup and lamb. So I think a dynasty Gallup's a strong buy. He, he just showed it. I mean, he showed it last year. I don't think it was a fluke. He was essentially uh, an absolute stud for them. And, uh, you know, he was a third round pick. It's not like he's, you know, some, some nobody. Uh, and he just produced, he was really impressive. Landry is your classic boring guy. Who's always going to give you wide receiver two value. Um, whether it's redraft dynasty, I think he's the same guy. Uh, he's a solid, solid, solid wide receiver two. probably fits best as a, as a high floor wide receiver three on a championship team. Um, and then Brown, John Brown, I, I think is who that is uh, from Buffalo. Uh, he was really good last year. You know, he, he was a feature, feature receiver, alpha receiver for that offense. And of course, then they traded for Stephon Diggs. I think he's, I think Brown is, is probably undervalued in terms of redraft for dynasty. I mean, he's getting up there in age and I, I'm probably not too interested or looking to acquire him in dynasty, but for redraft, I think he's a solid value. I'd probably rather him in like best ball where you don't have to pick what weeks he's going to score touchdowns. Um, but uh, I think he's going to have a, a legit role. They just, you know, it's going to be hard for Josh Allen to support two receivers, I think. Um, so Diggs and Brown will probably ham an egg. And so either one's a little bit iffy, honestly, week to week. But but in best ball, either one's pretty interesting. And John Brown just showed me he he really was good last year. Favorite metric to use when making decisions between players? <clears throat> First downs, wins over replacement player. I actually don't know what RACR is. Um, but man, that's tough. I think I usually take a holistic view, um, which is basically, you know, team context, uh, age, maybe, especially in dynasty, you know, a younger guy might get a little bit of the edge there. Um, and honestly, going back to what I said in the, in the kind of the beginning here, um, you know, and who I'm going to draft is going to be team context probably, but in a week start sit type decision, when I'm going between two players, I'm going to pick matchup. I'm going to pick the game and the context of that football game. And what do I think is going to happen in terms of a start sit situation? And I try to avoid this whole, I mean, start your studs to an extent. I think studs are fewer than we want to really appreciate. I mean, I think studs are rare. Like if you really want to say true stud, there's a handful and you start them every week, like CMC, but like Amari Cooper, I'm not sure he's a start your stud kind of guy, no matter what. I mean, I think there are situations where I would maybe start somebody else over Amari Cooper. Uh, he's a great player, super talented, but um, I'm not sure that he is, uh, you know, one of those always start your studs types. So there are studs, but I think there's fewer than you think. And so I, I do play matchups a lot in my head to head and season long leagues. Um, and then, uh, 
yeah, I mean, first downs is an interesting one. Target, uh, when you're looking at rookies, I do really believe that market share and age-adjusted production. So I want to see guys who dominated their wide receiver room at an early age. That's probably my number one thing. That is what gets you on my radar. That and that alone, to be honest with you. Uh, and then from there, there's more refining of the of the rankings and refining of who do I want more, this guy or that guy. Um, and uh, receptions per game was an interesting thing I looked at. Uh, players who had 4.5 or more receptions per game in their college career, it was a good filter to kind of overlay on top of some other things. Like that's a nice rule out. It, it kind of eliminates some of the players a little bit and um, just raw receptions per game. Uh, was a nice thing. That is one of my articles on Rasball as well. So when looking at, you know, dynasty, uh, especially rookies, market share and age adjusted, I want to see guys who dominated in, as a teenager, for sure. First and foremost, that's number one. Uh, and then I overlay some of these other things. BMI is in there. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a checklist, right? If you have six check boxes, I want all six is the guy who's the absolute stud. If everybody only has five boxes checked, then you start picking and choosing. But early age of product, age adjusted market share is my number one. Um, uh, nobody, you've asked a couple questions here. Uh, I appreciate it, but I'm going to skip because I've answered, I think, one or two of yours. Let's see. Uh, is Rojo boned, boned now that they signed McCoy? Um, no, I don't think so. McCoy, someone pointed out on Twitter, McCoy was a like a healthy scratch in the Super Bowl. Okay, like he didn't show anything down the line last year. I think he could just be a camp body uh, at this point. He looked like in flashes, I guess, one or two plays last year. But for the most part, he did not look like shady. Um, and if anything, I think he's maybe kind of a receiving back. So like maybe Keyshawn Vaughn insurance since Keyshawn's a rookie. Um, I think Rojo probably has a similar role. And frankly, I think McCoy might not be on the team by the time they take the field. Um, <clears throat> what is your outlook for Geis now and in the future? I really, really like Geis. Um, I think it's too easy just to write him off as an injury risk, you know, and I think he's a guy I've really warmed up to this season as we've prepared for our leagues and prepared for the 2020 season. Um, he, you know, I just think it's too easy. And I was guilty of this too. Like, ah, he's been injured for two years. He's never going to do anything. It's over. Uh, but the guy is super duper talented. That running back room in Washington, like if he's healthy, he's going to command all the carries. I really think that. I think he, you're looking at a 60, 65%, um, you know, kind of work, uh, work load for guys in that offense, at least if he's healthy. Of course, that's the caveat. But yeah, I mean, I think he's going to command pretty much all like the majority of the carries and he's going to be their feature guy if he's healthy because he's just that good and ap is like thirty thousand years old um i'm literally not worried about anyone else back there bryce love uh i don't know who else they have they signed freaking peyton barber get out of here uh i mean it's guys and guys alone if he's healthy and i and i'm happy to take that bet and he's costing what seventh eighth round draft pick um in the ras bowl today he actually went earlier than I thought five, but in Scott fishbowl, I think I got him in the seventh and could have gotten him, uh, coming around in the eighth. Uh, but I just took him in the seventh. Um, so yeah, at that, at that drive price, he's your RB three probably. Uh, and I'm, I'm fine with that. And his upside is like top 12 running back in my opinion. 
Oh, is Preston Williams rising star flash in the pan? Very much a rising star. Um, I wrote about him for DLF. He basically had a pace, a 16 game pace last year of like a historic rookie season of anybody, much less a, a undrafted free agent. I mean, he was pacing for 120 targets. Um, and if you look at rookie receivers with 120 or more targets in like the last two decades, it's just like, I think it's 21 receivers. Um, and uh, there's two Hall of Famers. There's a million Pro Bowls between the group. I mean, it like the whole group is just awesome, except for like, I think Mike Williams uh, for Tampa Bay, Michael Clayton for Tampa Bay. Um, uh, there were two other ones that kind of like didn't do much after their big rookie season. But basically, that's, that's four total out of 21 receivers. And literally the other 16 or 17 were just monsters uh i mean year in year out fantasy monsters and actually preston williams is 16 game line if you extrapolate what he did in the first eight games uh is almost identical to marvin harrison's rookie year and he did it at two years younger than harrison was uh because he was kind of old for a rookie <clears throat> so he was a udfa but no one ever questioned the talent it was kind of some off-field stuff so um and you know his surge was in the first eight games, not the second eight games. So they, they, I mean, the guy was signed as a UDFA and walked in, led the team in snaps from weeks three to week seven. And that is with a healthy Gazeki and a healthy Devonte Parker. They, it was no accident. He was featured. I just think he's uh, fantastic. Um, let's see. Is Fant ready to break out similar targets and catches a rookie year? Fant, man, yeah, I'm out on Fant, I think. It's not even him. It's Drew Locke. I'm way out on Drew Locke. Uh, then they went and drafted two receivers in the first two rounds. Cortland Sutton's still there. And I'm not that worried about Albert O, but they did happen to draft another tight end. So, you know, I, I think you need volume to be a tight end. I, I saw a nice paper written. Um, you got to have, like, 20% of your of your receiving volume to be like a top five tight end or something like that. I don't see how fans going to get there with all the bodies. Uh, and Drew Locke, actually, um, his vol like his targets went down after Drew Locke took over. Uh, that may change a little bit, but I think Drew Locke's not that good. And uh, I don't think he can sustain. I mean, you're asking him to sustain Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and Noah Fant, and then sprinkle in some KJ Hamler. So I'm kind of out on him. Uh, the talent's great. He's athletic specimen. Uh, I think team context really hurts him. With Hurts ADP climbing, given the vacated targets ATL, top 10 numbers. Yes, I think that's certainly possible. Um, do I think he's going to be like a top three difference maker at tight end? No. Uh, and really, after you get after the top five, it's kind of like whatever. I mean, F, the tight ends six through 10, six through 12, six through 15 become basically matchup plays anyway. So yeah, I think he's, he's probably fine, but with his ADP climbing, I'm not interested in buying that because I'm fine with like Johnny Smith later, or uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's other guys uh, that I'm not going to pay the premium.
Do I think Julio Jones has a shot at being overall wide receiver one? Um, yeah, sure. He's amazing. And that offense, I believe for the like the past two or three years has had the most passing attempts in the entire NFL, uh, at least on attempts per game. Uh, you know, even if they're not number one, they're top three. So incredible volume, incredible talent. He's absolutely the alpha. Uh, you know, touchdowns have always been his bugaboo, but like whatever. I mean, you know, touchdowns are always kind of fluky. If he falls into 10 touchdowns, there's no question in my mind. He could be the overall wide receiver one, um, this year. Uh, let's see. How do I feel about Stafford and redraft? Fine. I have no problem with Stafford. He was tracking on a real nice pace. Um, last year before injury. And I've heard that, that, that fracture is not a super concerning, um, injury. Uh, you know, people come back from that and at least play a couple more years. And I mean, I haven't heard really anything about him, like not being on schedule or anything like that. They let Jeff Driscoll go. So, I mean, it doesn't seem like they were too worried about insurance. They didn't draft a QB. So I think he's fine. And I think he's a solid, he's a solid QB. After guys with all the rushing upside, which it's like Mahomes, and then the rest of the top five QBs are all rushing QBs, basically. And then after that, I think Stafford's as good as any of the quarterbacks that don't run. Um, he's got a real nice, you know, weapons uh, at his disposal. Uh, any major players you think will opt out based on their personality? Uh, I have no idea. I can't. I have no idea. Damian Williams was kind of interesting. Uh, did not see that coming. I don't. He didn't even, I haven't read why, um, but uh, I'm not trying to predict that. There's no, there's no way I have that knowledge. I think the best way to, to know that is follow your beat writers, um, guys who know the team, guys who know these players intimately um, and uh, or word of mouth. If you have an insider who, you know, towel boy for the team or something like that. Other than that, I don't think you uh, can, can know that. Who's the RB to own in Miami? For me, it's Jordan Howard. Uh, I see the argument for both uh, him and Brita. Um, the thing with Brita is he is small and he is fast. And I think a lot of people assume that means he's a receiving satellite back, but he's really not. He's a good straight up runner. And he is not, he hasn't been used as like a, you know, big time receiver. He's caught some passes, but he's not been used as a receiver in his time at, in San Francisco. So at least not to the, not like four five, six catches a game. I mean, he's not like Austin Eckler. So uh, I don't think he's like, you know, a for sure third down receiving back. So what does that mean? He's not going to get goal line because of his, you know, basically his build. So he might be an interesting guy who spells Jordan Howard, but, uh, and, you know, break off of 60 yard run, which is certainly possible, but I don't like betting on that. So I think he's truly a change of pace and not necessarily, um, you know, a volume receiver. So I think it's Howard. Um, I'm happy to, to do, uh, to roster him. I have in a lot of places, I think he's on my Scott fishbowl team and, you know, I like, I think I, I tweeted a thread about Jordan Howard and, and, and basically said, you know, Miami had like the second fewest rushing attempts in the league last year. Um, they're definitely bound for like a dead cat bounce there. I mean, they're, they're going to be, they're going to run more. I mean, they just, they were last uh, them in Washington. So they're going to run the ball more. And I think they, they probably would rather 
be able to keep the team on schedule instead of just be chucking it deep uh, on third down. So I think he's going to get 200 carries, and I'm happy with that. 200 carries plus goal line where his ADP is, I'm, I'm fine with Jordan Howard. Um, he's still only 25, by the way. So I know he's not sexy, and, and trust me, I believe in uh, targets being worth more than attempts. I, I get it, but he's a value, and he's going to get decent volume. And he's only 25 years old. So I, I like Jordan Howard. Um, does Irv Smith have any fantasy relevance in deeper leagues? <sighs> yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't get the Irv Smith love myself, uh, to be totally honest. He's got a pretty entrenched uh, veteran tight end uh, in Kyle Rudolph, who's been a red zone dominator um, and been very good catching touchdowns pretty much for the Vikings. I don't see a volume for Irv Smith. I mean, there are some people like, oh, he's for sure going to be the tight end one in Minnesota. And um, I don't get it. Again, even if he's quote unquote the tight end one, Kyle Rudolph is going to get some stuff. And that means you're talking about a, a tight end role that's split between two ways. I mean, that's for this year. I don't get it. Uh, maybe after this year, if Rudolph goes away uh, or something like that. Um, but uh, I, I personally, he also like, a little bit small. I mean, he's not some big six, six dude. He's like six, two, um, which is great. But like, if you're a six, two and you're not like four, three speed, like the Delaney Walker was, um, I believe, uh, Jordan Reed was like six, two as well. Super duper athletic. And I think Irv Smith is too, but like his metrics weren't incredible and he's a little undersized. So, you know, to be like a, you know, like a, I mean, Gronk was six six, Kelsey six five. Like these guys are monsters and and just huge post up guys in the red zone. I don't know, is there a Smith that remains to be seen for me. Top guys, I'm talking in late rounds of dynasty startups. Let's take top three and why late rounds of dynasty startups. Oh, let me just pull up my sleeper app. Um, look at the dynasty startup I did earlier in this year, and we can. Go through it together real quick. But um, certainly some of the rookies, I mean, uh, your Darrington Evans, um, there's some rookie receivers I like that you can, you know, get incredibly late. Um, like uh, Quintus Cephas is pretty interesting to me. Uh, for Detroit, I think he was really under uh, appreciated at Wisconsin and put some really nice stuff on tape. And then on top of that, Marvin Jones is pretty much going to be gone next year. So I think as early as 2021, he walks into like a, you know, a wide receiver two type role and he's, you know, essentially free. Uh, let's see. These are, this would be like 20th round and later. Let's see. There were guys uh, going. Kelvin Harmon. He's one. I really like him. Although he's, his ACL is gone now. So I'm not sure he's actually worth a draft pick right now. Quez Watkins. Okay, great, great one. So he, um, 24th round in this draft I did, I think in March. Um, he is very, very intriguing. He's out of Southern Miss. He is a little bit slight of frame. I think he's like six, one or two, maybe 195 pounds. Uh, had an incredibly impressive domination uh, of a sophomore campaign in 2018 came a little bit back down in 2019, but still was above the average market share that you would be looking for. Uh, I think those are redshirt sophomore, redshirt junior year. So third and fourth years in college. So not a super early breakout, but impressive nonetheless. And uh, 
four three speed. I don't care about the forty time that much, but I mean he does have breakaway speed, so it's just kind of a nice cherry on top. But he dominated his uh, Southern Miss receiver room. He went to Philly, who, uh, man, I think Alshon's going to be on pup. I think Deshaun Jackson is thirty four and always injured, so short shelf life on him, even if he's healthy for twenty twenty. Uh, Aguilar's gone. Rager, their first round pick. JJ Sega Whiteside, and then you've got like Quez Watkins. I mean, I think he's like right there. Uh, and maybe this year will be slow. Uh, in twenty twenty, being a six round pick that he is, but man, I mean, next year he could be their second receiver if JJ Sega Whiteside doesn't pan out. I mean, he could be their second receiver, or they may draft another one. But I think it's worth a worth a shot for sure. I mean, he's got a real nice profile. He returned punts. Which is a, if you're going to take a stab on a late round wide receiver in the NFL draft, drafted in the late rounds of the NFL draft, and especially if they're from a non power five conference team like Southern Miss, take a guy who returned punts. That is, uh, I did a little Twitter thread on that. I may turn it into a real article, but um, guys who returned punts are, uh, seem to be associated with late round guys who, who end up doing something in the NFL. How do I feel regarding Keenan Allen, DK Metcalf, or Cortland Sutton? Would you buy any of them more than others, Redraft or Dynasty? I like Keenan Allen. Uh, he's being he's being just, man, like totally just forgotten in all phases, especially Redraft. I have him in a Dynasty League. I was trying to sell him this summer. I couldn't get anything for Keenan. I mean, not even a second-round pick. Uh, he Nobody wants him. I don't get it. Uh, I know that their offense is changing. They're not going to have Phillip Rivers, but he's an alpha. He commands targets. He commands market share. He uh, he is their number one receiver, no doubt. Mike Williams is a low-volume deep threat, and he does that very well, but he's a low-volume deep threat. Keenan Allen is the guy. I think Eckler is probably their second-best receiver, and Mike Williams is you know, a kind of a deep shot guy. And he's good at that, like I said, but he's not commanding targets the way that Keenan is. And I think Eckler will. Um, so I think Keenan Allen and redraft and frankly, dynasty. I mean, you know, Tyrod Taylor, Justin Herbert this year is going to be kind of clunky maybe, but Keenan's still pretty young. He came into the NFL at a very young age. Uh, Keenan Allen is uh, 28. So a little older maybe than I thought, but 28, he's got two or three years left. And Justin Herbert, I don't love him as a prospect, but I mean, he's worth, you know, he's worth a shot there. Um, obviously a high first round pick. So he, he's going to keep that offense, at least throwing the ball. Uh, DK Metcalf. I think he's a sensational talent. Um, I think Tyler Lockett's still going to be the, the highest volume receiver in that offense. Um, I'd take both of those guys way before Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton's good. He, I think he wasn't, he wasn't as good as I feel like people think he was last year. I mean, he really fell off when Drew Locke showed up. I mean, was not startable, um, for the last couple of games of the season. And again, I'm just not buying any Denver players. I, I just, I don't believe in Drew Locke and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in short, Drew Locke basically over the last three years has traded completion percentage has gone up, but at the at the really bad sacrifice of taking deep throws. 
He he his A dot is is terribly low. And yeah, he's completing passes, but he's completing passes. I mean, he was like 31st out of 33 qualifiers of a group that I looked at with, I think it was some amount of attempts, but like his dot was like 31st lowest out of 33 guys. I mean, he's just, he's not challenging downfield at all. And it's been a trend since his really big year in 2017, I believe it was uh, for Missouri. So I'm out on Drew Locke. I'll take Keenan. DK probably the better dynasty uh purchase there but keenan and redraft dk and dynasty and Cortland not interested really at adp at least does juan jennings finish Shanahan's offense he's making early impact with debo's absence yeah i mean juan jennings is interesting he's a guy that returned punts for for tennessee so he fits a little bit of that interesting profile um uh, for guys who could maybe bust out uh, that were, you know, super duper late round picks. Well, I may be corrected here. Juwan Jennings, I'm not sure. I'm not seeing punt return. So maybe he didn't. But he's got, I guess he's got like good broken tackles or yak ability, which, you know, Shanahan loves that. Uh, right now, yeah, he may have a role. I think it's, uh, I, I'd say Brandon Ayuk number one because he, well, Kittle number one. Ayuk next in line first receiver just because he's a first round pick i mean that that means something uh and an elite punt returner which if you're an early pick punt returns don't matter as much it's more for identifying the late guys but uh and then jalen hurd really excited about jalen hurd so if you want to take a deep shot and that goes that answers the other question about late round dynasty picks as well jalen hurd he's basically free and i would take him way before Jawan jennings uh let's see nobody thanks for the another question we'll do this one most seem to think t law fields and lance the early, only 21 20 qbs worth a shot at starting the league uh, is there another guy uh for dev okay for 2021 let's look at my debbie ranks here i got them pulled up for us um I think it's those three are like top heavy. They're going to be the top 10 picks. Trey Lance is working his way into the conversation as a true top 10 pick, which super duper exciting guy that he is. Um, in 2021, it really drops off. I mean, those guys are like, I think it's super flex. Those are your one, two, and three picks. Uh, there's no question in my mind about that. They're They're studs. After that, let's see. We got to go all the way down. My personal QB ranks. I got Brock Purdy probably next um, in that class. And he's pretty interesting. Uh, but I think, yeah, I mean, he he. I don't think he's going to be a first-round pick. And for quarterbacks, other than Russell Wilson and Tom Brady, I think you really your, – your hit rate goes way down. Um, Jamie Newman's very mad to me. Tanner Morgan is interesting. Uh, I actually think I have Tanner Morgan actually higher than Brock Purdy myself. I was looking at the composite ranks on DLF and most people have Purdy higher. Tanner Morgan, I'll be honest, he, he's intriguing. Uh, he's one of those guys like, wow, was it Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman? Or um, is it... Uh, um, is it... Uh, sorry, Tanner Morgan doing all the work. I think, you know, I think it's two. I think it's both of them. And Tanner Morgan's put up some really impressive numbers. His his uh, yards per attempt, super duper high. His completion percentage is good enough. He was only a true sophomore last year, I believe, and will be 
We'll be ready to see what he can do this year. He might sneak his way in there. I kind of like Tanner Morgan. Um, so that's my guy. If you want a non top three quarterback in next year's class, I would say Tanner Morgan personally. Um, how much do you attribute Cooper cups regression to the Rams running more 12 personnel? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I've seen a lot about him not being able to win on the outside. Yeah, that's, that's an issue. Uh, I, I still think he's a really good receiver. Will they do 12 so ex- uh, exclusively this coming year? I'm not sure. Uh, they're going to have both tight ends healthy, and but they're running back. You know, they're not going to try to force Todd Gurley. I think, I think McVeigh doesn't want to do that. I think McVeigh wants, um, you know, three receivers. I honestly forget sometimes if that's, that's not 13. Cause I think two is the tight end. So that'd be three tight ends. So it's not 13, but I guess it would be, uh, 11 personnel, which would be one running back, one tight end and three receivers. So I think, I think that's what he wants to do. That's when his offense has had a lot of success. Um, and so they may try to start that and then, and then go back into a shell if the offensive line can't hold up, but I think they want to run three receivers. Uh, and so I kind of think cup should be fine, but again, I was, uh, kind of oogling over Robert Woods earlier and, and he's the Rams receiver. I really want, um, let's see. Oh, receiver air, air conversion rates here. Okay. Got it. Thanks for putting that in there. I see now. Um, I haven't looked at that a ton, but I get it. You know, it's, is he converting his air yards into reception? So are they, you know, basically it seems like an efficiency metric. Um, and, um, uh, I don't love efficiency rate metrics unless, okay. I like efficiency. If there's a very sound argument, why a guy is going to get more volume, but I don't think efficiency begets volume, if that makes sense. Like McCole Hardman was incredibly efficient, but I don't have a good path for him to see more volume this year. I don't have a logical w- reason he's going to see more volume with Hill and Kelsey still there, Clyde over Hilaire in the fold, um, and Sammy Watkins is still on the team. If Sammy Watkins goes elsewhere, let's talk. But otherwise, super duper efficient, but that alone does not project increased volume. And we know volume is most important. Big last question here. In regards to COVID and potential IR, are you shooting for higher upside guys in late rounds? Are you shooting to fill an entire team's backfield? This is a great question. I think personally, I've kind of gone towards just handcuffing. Uh, it honestly depends on your league depth. I think handcuffing in deep leagues is is worthwhile because the waiver wire is kind of barren no matter what because guys are already stashing those high upside attrition plays so you might as well take the handcuff and just have your guy win your leagues are deep if you have a 12 team league and you've got like not a huge starting roster maybe like you know qb2 two two and two flex one tight end and a short bench of five guys that waiver wire is going to be pretty robust. And in that case, I don't think I favor handcuffing even in the COVID situation. But if you've got a deep league or you've got a dynasty league and the waiver wire is just pretty much trash anyway, uh, then I have no problem just going straight handcuff because uh, we are going to have an unprecedented situation here. Um, And I think that's having a handcuff in that scenario is probably better than. you know, having 
you know, thinking you're going to find a gem on the wire uh, when you're if you're in a league where the wire is very thin. So, uh, yeah, we're about in an hour, maybe a little bit over. I uh, hope you enjoyed this. Uh, I definitely had a great time. So, again, uh, you know, I, I do most of my, you know, content on Twitter. I try to make it fun uh, with some jokes in there. Hopefully it's worthwhile. But also I, I do try to have real conversation on Twitter. I try to answer trade questions. I try to, um, you know, give you my thoughts on on players. And I love chatting it up on there. So, you know, when I drop a, a, a thread about a player or I drop an article, you know, and you read the article, feel free to go back on Twitter and start conversating about it. I, I enjoy doing that. I'm at Razball under the same moniker, the A-L-F-A-L-F-F-R-E-D with underscores as well. Um, DLF, I think I'm under just Alfred. Um, and you can find me uh, there as well. I love doing, yeah, I love I love Devi. And a buddy of mine actually, um, just the other night, he was in, I guess, some, sounded incredibly deep because um, he's like, He's like, oh, yeah, saying some players that were already drafted. And I'm like, whoa, okay, now we need to get real deep. But honestly, I just went through my sleeper Saturday, guys, because those are guys I already like, and and they are very, very deep. It's more guys you just want to have on your radar. I like knowing names, so then if they start popping, it's not like I have to adjust my brain to new information. I already like the guy, and now he's doing what I thought he could do so I can make decisions faster. So sleeper Saturdays. Um, you know, be on the lookout for that on Twitter for Debbie purposes, but also, um, happy to answer any questions, uh, or bring in, you know, I'll tag other guys that, that specialize in some, some Debbie stuff if I can't answer a question. So feel free to reach out. I think that'll do it. Thanks a lot. All right. See ya.